0: Lessons, it is good to see you. It is good to see you all this morning. Uh, yeah, yesterday was a heavy hearted day in that we had a memorial service uh, for someone dearly loved. We did that for Nellie the week before, and then Bob Wolf yesterday. I'm seriously going to miss Bob Wolf uh, as a brother in Christ and and someone who uh, did some investing. I mean, he taught classes, he was an elder. Uh, and and so much and man he loved well and i know many of us are just going to miss miss having him here I, I think ecclesiastes has been a very sobering book for that reason as we go through this we're going to see more and more just uh, kind of solomon's thoughts when it comes to to that thing of death as well uh, again we're in this series called the search and the reason it's called the search is because this is solomon's search Uh, for meaning in life. Um, Especially last week, I want to just kind of review a couple of things I think is really important. Where Solomon come from? Where's his mind? We know that his father is David, King David, and and the description of King David is this. You know, here's a man after God's own heart. Well, that wasn't Solomon. That that wasn't inherited by, by Solomon from David. David was a man after God's own heart, not Solomon. And one thing we looked at last week is First Corinthians, no, First Kings, chapter eleven, where the description of where Solomon went and and marrying just lots of foreign women, other other nations, other gods he brought into his household. And sure enough, I don't believe that he turned his back completely on God. He he still believed and trusted God, but at the same time, he was building, you know, places of worship and 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 high places. For other gods at the same time. As it's quite possible he might have turned his back and then realized, hey, you know, my God is the true God. Uh, that's a possibility. But at least we know from 1 Kings 11, he went astray. And did something that, that actually, uh, through, through the laws, it was very clear. You don't do this. There is no other God. And so Solomon was not that man. Uh, who was after God's own heart. In this... We looked at his pursuit, the, the, this pursuit for meaning is done, what I said last week is done without God, but instead, I, I want to I define that a little clearer. I believe that, that Solomon's pursuit for, for meaning is, is without the eternal perspective that comes from God, that eternal perspective that comes from God. Especially as we get to chapter 2, he recognizes God's sovereignty, so so. You know, I hopefully you've been, been reading along. I think that's just going to be to your benefit. And, and uh, if, if ever I miss something, I, I, I would love to have some questions. And, and had a, a few things said this last week was encouraging for me. But, but I want us to go on this journey alone. My purpose is not just for 30 minutes so you can listen to something. I, I want you to, to come to know God's Word. Every part of it. Even, even Solomon, who is not like David and, and, and is examining life without, without that actually direct force and, and thinking of God. He's going he's to search the world for meaning. And, and so that's where we are today. I want you to know his word because that's to your benefit and to your growth and, and coming into that relationship with God stronger and stronger. That's who we are. We, we, we exist for this reason. We want to foster the family of God. So sermon time, I see, is, is that part of that fostering the family of God, assisting you as you grow and pursue uh, the knowledge of the Word and, and grow in that relationship with Him. Oh, man. I did all that, and I didn't get one stinking amen. A guy worked so hard in preparations and... <laughs> Uh, oh, you want me to say it all over again? No. How much time do we got? Uh, anyway, let me let me proceed forward. Here's Solomon. Uh, Solomon is searching something, and when he describes meaning, an element that's important to him in meaning, is is the question: Is it lasting? You see, Solomon is not looking for something that is temporary. And I think we're going to see that more and more as we travel through Ecclesiastes. He is looking for something that is lasting. And the problem that Solomon finds continuously is this, that nothing lasts forever. Nothing lasts forever. At least that's his conclusion in several cases. I think we see that conclusion here in chapter 2. Chapter 2, the search that he makes, the examination he does through his own life, is, is this. He's looking at the things of pleasure and work. Pleasure and work. So let's dive into this. And, and as we do this, I really wanted to start with the two verses towards the end. This would actually be his conclusion. Maybe to wet your whistle a little bit, how does he come to this conclusion? Listen to what he says in 24 and 25 of chapter 2. He says, a person can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in their their own toil. This too, I see, is from the hand of God. For without him, who can eat and find enjoyment? There's that sovereignty. Do you hear that? Uh, It is God who provides the fact that we eat, that we drink, that we can find any enjoyment in our work. That's God. But but did you hear what he said there at the beginning? He says, uh, you can do nothing better... Then eat, drink, and find satisfaction with your work. That, that sounds very bottom line to me. That, 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 I guess that's why it caught my attention. You could do nothing better than eat, drink, and find satisfaction with your work. Well how does he come to this conclusion? Let's, let's go back and look over this chapter two. He begins with that idea of pleasure. In his research, he examines pleasure. Uh, And and the point is this, you will find no lasting, I didn't add that in there, no lasting contentment in pleasures. Let me read for you verses 1 through 3. See what he's saying. Solomon said, I said to myself, come now, I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. But that also proved to be meaningless. Laughter, I said, is madness. And what does pleasure accomplish? I tried cheering myself with wine and embracing folly. My mind still guiding me with wisdom. I wanted to see what was good for people to do under the heavens during the few days of their lives. So he begins this journey of considering pleasure. Now Solomon absolutely had all the resources to, to, uh, what you might say, examine everything uh, that his heart desired. He had the resources. He was very wealthy. Man, uh, it's even compared that, you know, if we were to bring Solomon in this day and age, there would be no one even close to the wealth that Solomon had over, over uh, this place of kingdom. When he became king, uh, it, Israel was moving towards that prosperity and 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 great renown. And Solomon, with his wisdom, just took advantage of all that. And we actually see it as he... Uh, continues to record through this um, uh, passage. So Solomon actually had this opportunity to test whatever, to, to whatever things of life to see if it was meaningful. And he tested pleasure. In verse 3, uh, well, and before I go there, I want to say, I, I find it fascinating that a couple places he said, what is good, uh, especially in verse 3. He says, I wanted to see what was good for people. Now, now let's think about pleasure right away. I, I do know, I've known some people that as soon as you say pleasure, they're thinking, oh no, that's, they, they put pleasure and sinfulness together. Are you familiar with that? Man, anything pleasurable, oh, there's something wrong with it. There's something wrong with it. But, but I believe Solomon is talking about something that's a, a legitimate pleasure. Why? I, hey, God created us. And, and each of us have appetites. And, and it, it is okay for us, when we're hungry, to satisfy the hunger. Or, or whenever another appetite to, to seek to take care of. it. There, I, I believe that God wants us to find pleasure in his creation. I think there's a reason for that. We'll get to that later. But, but he is to recognize the fact that he is created and that he has given us uh, opportunity to, to find pleasure in this life, I, I, I believe there's legitimate pleasure. There's also the illegitimate, illegitimate pleasure, right? Uh, there's evil. Uh, we'll call it absolutely perverted or, or just the fact that, that Satan uses the things in this life, even your appetites, to, to draw you away, to focus your attention uh, upon those things and, and, and to absolutely forget God misuse them, even to the point of being destructive. You know, things of drugs and, and pornography and alcoholism, overindulgence in anything could be destructive. That, that's, that's not helpful. It's, it's not, at, and all, also, I have to say, ultimately, it is not going to continue to bring pleasure but more pain. So that's illegitimate. What Solomon in this passage is talking about is the legitimate pleasures of life the things that God has given uh, and, and allows us to have or, or has given for us to enjoy. Verse 2, he, he first starts with laughter. He starts with laughter. I find that funny. Uh, that they, he begins with laughter, I mean, to enjoy life. Matter of fact, he jumps right to it. He says, laughter, I said, is, is madness. Uh, what did, you know, I, I try to think, okay, well, what, what did Solomon do in order to have laughter you know I, I mean he had all this wealth later on we find out he has servants and and even slaves and uh, I I don't know did he hire some actors and some comedians to come in uh, he didn't turn on Netflix or or any television at night to entertain him, but did, he he had the means to to bring in uh people to do slapstick or, or or you know situational comedy I I don't know uh we we do know of court jesters you know, from days of King Arthur, I wonder if that goes back further. If there are people who came in just to make a king laugh, you know, to forget, it, it, give him opportunity to forget some of the troubles of the world. Is it, that's me. I, I, I'm like that. Linda, and we'll, we'll talk about, it. well, hey, let's go see a movie. Well, what's on? And I will almost always lean towards, I want to see a comedy. I want to see a comedy. A lot of times, man, I just I just want to laugh. I want to laugh. Uh, favorite comedians, uh, Jeff Gat, uh, Yeah, Jeff Gaffigan is that his name? Jim. Uh, yeah, I listen to him all the time. Uh, <laughs> Jim Gaffigan and Brian Regan. You know, there's a couple guys. I, I you know, matter of fact, in the morning when I'm I'm, I'm doing some exercise, I turn those guys on and, and it lifts my heart. You know, I I laugh, and and in the matter of fact, it's it's kind of an escapism. If you think about it, any kind of entertainment—what are you trying to do except kind of escape the troubles, the difficulty. If you're facing something, man, I want to laugh instead. I do think that might be where Solomon is looking at, it saying, "This is madness. It's kind of like I'm leaving my mind right now. I'm setting it aside." And the problem with that, you know, after all the laughter is over and and the entertainment's gone, the the problems or the situations in life doesn't change, right? You have, to, you have to enter back into those troubles once again. So Solomon just says, man, it, it, it might give some relief. It might give a pause to some things. But no, no matter what we do, if we seek entertainment or other things, guess what? Monday morning comes, you have to go back to work, right? That's part of it. In verse 3, he points out wine. Uh, he, he says, I tried cheering myself with wine and embracing folly, uh, my mind's still guiding me with wisdom. I believe in, in saying that. Uh, what Solomon says, he's still under control. He's not saying he didn't come out as an alcoholic or something. Alcohol never uh, controlled him or mastered him. Uh, but he, he, he drank. You know? he, he drank wine and pursued that. And it might have been that same result as laughter. You know, Kind of an escapism. Uh, something to, to maybe even just calm him. I, I, you know, that, those are some of the thoughts. But I think it's the same result. You know, even after wine is not going to take away or change the situations of life. We know that's true. We know that's true. It, it might provide temporary relief to what we're finding. The second point I want to enter, enter into is this. And, and actually, I, I thought this began in verse 4. And and it's this that there is no lasting meaning in your work, there is no lasting meaning in your work, and when I did that, you know, as as I already passed out my outline, we could actually combine these two together, the idea of pleasure and work, because I I I honestly I believe Solomon is putting these two together, that that I mean things of pleasure, he's going to include the things of like verse four says, I undertook great projects. I built houses. Later on, he talks about his labor. And, and I believe that finding pleasure in our labor, or, or let me say it this way, our accomplishments, uh, completing projects, I, you know, I, I realize that. When I start a project at times, uh, you all remember, mo- most of you are around here, most of Junction City knows that it took me a while to get my house painted, Okay. And, and when I did, I felt such a... And so did the rest of the city, because I heard it all, you know, just, wow, your house looks great. It doesn't look like it's about to fall apart. But anyway, so... But I felt such an accomplishment. I mean, that, that was pleasing. So I, I, I believe Solomon is in the same line here. He's saying, man, this is, this is pleasing. And, and listen, let me read for you just a few verses, beginning of verse 4, starting there again. He says, I undertook great projects... and the treasure of kings and provinces I acquired male and female singers and a harem as well the delights of a man's heart I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me in all this my wisdom stayed with me there, there's laying out all his, his, his toil or, or his work and, and how he's gathered so much to himself at the beginning it almost sounds like a, a he created paradise for himself. Do you hear that? In, in that verse 4, yeah, I planted vineyards. I made gardens and, 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 and parks and planted all kinds of trees. Garden of Eden. Yeah, and, and he put an irrigation system in there. And, and all that, it had to be beautiful. Beautiful. You know, it does remind me when you go back to to the description of the Garden of Eden, it was all kinds of fruit trees and and, and didn't need uh, to be watered. It it, it received water every day, everything it needed, and, and he didn't have to worry about. I mean, Adam and Eve didn't have to worry about things. Here, Solomon has created pretty much a paradise here on earth. Man, we do that a lot today, if you think about it. Where do you go to vacation? you know we're, we're the destination you know places vacation is a place where you don't have to work or anything matter of fact the verses that follow talks about he collected for himself lots of slaves and it's not not the kind of slaves that, that we're familiar with in our history it's more the, the kind of slaves that have sold themselves uh, and and they're, now they're taking care of the king and and things like that and those uh, those who are born into that household they become slaves as well and and so he had he had a a number of slaves apart and servants uh, that, that, hey, do you think Solomon ever sweated in putting together an irrigation system for this garden? I don't think so. Do you think he used a shovel on it? Not at all. It was his planning. It was his work. He told them what to do and how to do it. And, and they did all the sweating. So, so even part of paradise too was that I don't have to work. I don't have to do the sweat on my brow. So Solomon had it all. When, when you think about pleasure, well, pleasure is sipping on tea while everybody else is doing the work. That, that might be part of it that, that Solomon has seen, that, that's taking place. Hey, he also talks about uh, that sexual intimacy in verse 8. He, he brings up that that phrase, and, and he had a harem as well. A harem. I can't imagine the size of his harem. Remember in, in chapter 11 of 1 Kings, what did he say? 700 wives, it's exhausting even to say it. 700 wives and 300 concubines. The the man had to have not a harem, but a hotel. You know, a very large hotel. It had to be huge to to accommodate all his wives and his concubines. And I think about, you know, Solomon. I mean, every area of pleasure Solomon ventured into, even in this area. And and I I have to admit to you, man, I at this point I feel bad for Solomon. I, I really feel bad for Solomon. And here's the reason why is because God created something special when He said the two become one flesh. Solomon couldn't have had that. And, and know the significance. Those of you who've been married for, for some time and understand that connection. Do I have somebody going? Yeah, we understand what you're talking about. That that two that becomes one flesh, it is significant what God has given us. Solomon wasn't two. No, it was it was. Uh, let's see, a thousand and and they become one flesh. I don't think so. I don't think so. Anyway, but Solomon was able to do every teenage young young person's you know idea of what satisfaction would be incorrect pursuit, you know, to be able to have those, those, uh, encounters just wherever and whoever with, uh, and I shouldn't say, forgive me young people for saying that, but actually the world looks at that and they will say, wow, that's so awesome. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think that goes contrary. Here's the conclusion. Here's where I want to get to. Okay. The point is all the way through those two points here, here is Solomon, just every opportunity to look at Again, good pleasure he's investing in. And here's his, he, he repeats that in verse 11, but here's what he says in both, I mean, 10 and 11. He says, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. Again, he had that, he had every resource. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor, and this was the reward for all my toil. Basically, that. He had pleasure in in his work. Then verse 11 says, Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. Go back to the very conclusion, right? It is a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. Solomon did what a lot of people, or actually, man, humanity wants to do. It's always looking forward and saying, man, if I only had, if I only have access to to this item or able to purchase that product or, isn't that right? It, It is a hunger that's within us that is never satisfied. If only I don't have to work anymore and I could go wherever I want to go and do whatever I want to do just to do exactly what he said, whatever my heart's desire. Solomon was able to do that. And Solomon is saying, what It's meaningless. And and in that, I believe what he's saying is it's it's all temporary. Man, do I find some satisfaction? Yeah, here and there there's places of satisfaction. But it's all temporary. It's not lasting. Matter of fact, uh, I I listened to a guy, Mike Mazzalongo. Mike Mazzalongo. He's he's a Church of Christ preacher and teacher. And and I appreciate what he said. Here's, Here's sensuality. He basically said sensuality, that's that pursuit of of pleasure. is basically this. It's a dead end. It's a dead end. It promises much, but it delivers little. Again, it's temporary. Uh, Expectations never seem to be absolutely fulfilled. Changes are are very little. In in that verse 11, he said, nothing was gained under the sun. It made no impact upon the cycles we saw in chapter 1. The cycles of the sun up, sun down, sun come up again, and generation after generation, life and death, and the continued rotation of uh, it, it just for Solomon, it was making no huge impact in any change in this world. And the last and, and most important to me is it, it actually creates insatiable needs, it, it, it just continues to make you hungry and thirsty. Yeah, you never find. Satisfaction that that continues to fill and and boy I don't anywhere where you place I said I don't need that anymore man that was so filling and satisfying I don't need anything else that's never going to happen it's just going to continue to go through life matter of fact he calls it the common man's treadmill you know what a treadmill is right I mean it's for for exercise it's just and you're going nowhere. He saw it, or, or that squirrel cage, the squirrel in the cage, and he's just go, going around and around. And all we're thinking is, man, I got to have more, I, or I need something else, and, and so I'm going to go purchase, or I'm going to go pursue, or I'm going to I'm going to continue doing, I you know, bigger house or or better car, or man, I'm going to get a boat, or, or whatever, and and I just can't get satisfied. I'm just going to keep on buying. You know, that's Solomon who had it all. Solomon didn't have anywhere else to go to say, well, I'm gonna go buy something else. No, you have it all. You have everything you've ever wanted, your heart's ever desired, and he's not satisfied. Man, I think we just define humanity. (laughs) A majority, I I say mass majority of that that's how we that's how we live. You know, I want to get, I want to have, I wanna that because that's what's going to bring meaning to life, or that's what's gonna satisfy, and it never, never does. That's Solomon's wisdom. That's Solomon's wisdom. Matter of fact, it, the, the third point I want to make, because Solomon turns from here and goes to verse 12, and he goes back to that topic that we were in last week about wisdom. And, and because of time, I, I, I want you to read it. Read through there again. He turns back to wisdom. Again, is wisdom satisfying? And he says, uh, you know, you could pursue wisdom or you could pursue folly. He just points out those two avenues you could choose wisdom which he says is, is in the light and folly is in the darkness and and absolutely says hey it's wisdom and, and last week, if I, I made you feel like philosophy was useless and, and, and anything like that, it's so far from the truth. Philosophy is actually the pursuit of wisdom, <laughs> it's, it's asking questions. And, and man, if there's one thing that we need today is to ask good questions and, and to be able to ask those questions without being embarrassed or, or laughed at or anything like that. Solomon asked the question where's meaning to life? That was his pursuit. And it's to our benefit that we, we can examine that as well, or, or examine the, this Word and find out uh, you know, some answers to those questions. Solomon says, man, wisdom is valuable. It's important. It's significant. Now, I, I encourage us, if we have questions concerning the Word or direction that God is going in, ask. Pursue. Don't, don't, don't hold that within. Uh, matter of fact, he, he continues. He does say there is really no difference being wise or foolish because guess what? You both end up at the same place. Both end in death. Whether you're wise or foolish, however you choose to spend life, his, his end is this you know, nothing lasts forever. He, he, that's his conclusion. He, nothing, you both die. So, so he goes back to that phrase of saying, man, it's, it's a chasing after the wind, it's meaningless. You just become a part of that, that endless cycle of life. And not making any major changes. I think it's important before we get to that twenty four twenty five for you to see what he says in verse 17. He says, and this also is one of his conclusions. After all that, when he continues to say it's all meaningless, he said, so I hated life. I hated life. Solomon's saying that, verse 17, he says, because, because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. All of it is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Uh, I hated all the things I had toiled for under the sun because I must leave them uh, to the one who comes after me. <laughs> I'm sorry, I laugh at that because I think, oh, let's see, we spend our lives collecting, right? Right? We gather stuff together, always, man, I've been researching this is the kind of truck I want or the kind of car I've I got these great golf clubs, and and someday I'm going to die, and guess what? My kids are going to get it, and Travis is just going to destroy those golf clubs <laughs> and, and And you know what I, I don't know what's going to happen to the, the you know the antique that we got in our living room. These, these grandkids, I love my kids, but my grandkids are just going to tear them up. And they're not going to pull them up. It's going to be like a jungle gym. They're going to tear it up. Right? I spent so much time collecting everything in that house. And where's it going to go? Those children, those worthless children of mine is going to just waste it. Sorry, Lindsay. She's the only one that's here. <laughs> think, think about uh, what, it, what is it called, the um, estate sale. What is an estate sale? Someone passes, and then you have a, a, an estate sale. Someone who has collected all that together, and and what's so special? I, some of you just love estate. Why would anybody love an, an estate sale? Because I could go to an estate sale and get something cheap. I could get something very valuable for very cheap. Isn't that it? I I mean, I, I forgive me if that's that's wrong, but that's what I've always noticed. We've talked about going to estate sales. Does anybody who comes ever, ever soberingly think, wow, someone, I, I wonder what the story is behind this table and chairs. Antique pedestal table, wooden chairs, beautiful. I've seen those. And, and, and do you ever think about who sat around that table? Why was that table so significant to this family? Nope, nope. I'm going to get it for cheap. And 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 things like that, but that to to listen to that that was Solomon's frustration. I spent my life. I've toiled. I put all this together, and and the kids are going to get it. And are they going to use it? Are they going to use it with wisdom or with folly? Who knows? Who knows? And then he repeats that phrase again. It's all. It's all just meaningless. It's all just meaningless. Let's, let's go to that 24 and 25 now. That's when Solomon comes along He says, a person could, this again is his conclusion, a person could do nothing better than eat, drink, and find satisfaction in their toil. That's it. Man, we do that every day. Eat, drink, and, and a good encouragement is, hey, find satisfaction in what you're doing. Uh, and this is a gift from God. This too, I see, is from the hand of God. For without him, who can eat and find enjoyment? First, first point I want to make is, man, it, it is good to have a thankful heart to our God, even for today. Uh, to be able to come before him and, and, and pray for the meal. Matter of fact, I heard a guy say, why do we pray before a meal? You know, before the meal, hey, God bless this. You know, it, it, well, if I was trusting my wife. It, it's been blessed. She's not putting anything that's got salmonella or anything in it. Now, on the table, I set up and, and it's good. He, he said, hey... At the end of the meal, say, God, man, I praise you for that steak. That was amazing. You know, and I praise you for, for what we were able to drink and the vegetables. Man, it was such a good meal, God. Thank you. I don't know, to have a thankful heart for God every day for, because of what he's given. He's laid appetites upon us, and he's given us things for you know, good pleasure. He's given us things for some significant good pleasure. To enjoy life. You know, to to say, I I created this, appreciate it. We have that opportunity. I also want to to think about a a woman who Jesus ran into at the well. Especially when you're thinking about, uh, uh, you know, when you look at Solomon, man, what a sad guy because all he sees is this is it. This is all we have to do is eat, drink, and, and then, uh, you know, be satisfied with your work. Well, is that it? Really? Well, Jesus approached the Samaritan woman at the well. Remember that? It's John chapter, uh, uh, John chapter 4. And he asked her for a drink of water. They were alone, asked her for a drink of water, and, and that started a, a, a long conversation uh, where Jesus said, if you knew the gift that God has, and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and, and he would have given you living water. He would have given you living water. You see, Jesus entered into this world. Oh, man, if Solomon had only had the opportunity to know Jesus. You have the opportunity to know Jesus. What we've heard this morning is all wisdom, and it's true when you look at the things of this world. Jesus told this woman that, that he offered living water. In verses uh, uh, 13 and 14, here's what he said about that living water. Everyone who drinks this water, referring to the well water, said they're going to be thirsty again. Right, Solomon? Yeah, yeah. You drink, you get satisfied, guess what? You're going to get thirsty again. So Jesus says anyone who drinks this water is going to be thirsty again. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. How significant is it that Jesus came into this world? How significant of a message do we have today because Jesus came into this world and what he brought, what he brought to us all. That offering of living waters for us as well. The fact that it is water that is satisfying, that it gives meaning to our life, not just in our everyday, but in our tomorrow as well. And, and what we're looking forward to. It doesn't end in this life. And to say that there is something that is everlasting, Jesus brought it. Jesus brought it. He, he changed that death and corruption that is existing within you. Through, the, through his blood to bring into you life eternal. See, I think there's death in that, that continued cycle of life that goes, right? Cycle in and out, day in, day out, same old, same old. uh, New life begins, death comes, and and that's all we know. Nothing significant changes. Remember last week I said God made something huge, and, and he brought in a great significant change in bringing Jesus into this world, his only son, to die upon the cross for us so that what we could be in that right relationship with him. Woo-hoo, Solomon. (laughs) Yes, Solomon. Man, You're you're speaking right. What does this life have to offer? No, nothing. (laughs) What does Jesus have to offer? Everything. Absolutely everything. Are you with me? Are you with me on that? Man, Solomon cries out, and as he says, it, it could be very depressing. But man, when Jesus comes into this world, he brings a message of life. There's no contentment in pleasures. There's no lasting meaning in, in work. Everything's just going to be, you know, it, it's not going to be lasting. It's not going to be uh, uh, forever, even wisdom. And Solomon, even Solomon's bottom line is, hey, eat, drink, and be merry You know, even with your work, that's not a bad message, but let me tell you what. Jesus is the one who brings significance and meaning into life. Let me ask you this. Do you know him? And and even if you're a a believer, you know, do you know him? Are you living your life according to following after Jesus as your Savior? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise you and we thank you. Lord, I praise you for your word, every part of it the significance of, of uh, uh, being able to look and know who Solomon is and what he's gone through and now even what he's investigating. Lord, the world around us is acting like Solomon. They're, they're believing they could find significance in something that's at their grasp or it's something that they have to pursue. And, and, Lord, the end result is always going to be it is not meaningful, that it, it loses its flavor, it, and, and then we'll just have to pursue something else. God, even in the church, even within the church, there's those of us in here that continue to try try to satisfy us with the things of this world. But Lord, may we realize, may we come to that great understanding, especially this morning, that only Jesus, only through Jesus, we could find the meaning and and the the kind of life that, that we ought to be living in that relationship with you. God, you bring meaning into our lives through Jesus, and we praise you for that.